All right, welcome to the Online Course Masters Show where you learn to create, launch, and promote your own online courses. Today, Jeremy Deegan and I are talking with an amazing course instructor, Ranga, who is making over $10,000 a month with his courses on Udemy. He has some great strategies that we're going to go over, including building content websites that drive traffic to his courses, using free freebies and free courses to grow his audience. And he also has a very successful YouTube channel with over 73,000 followers, an email list over 35,000. Amazing stuff. So first, Jeremy, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. We're excited to have you as a co-host for episode 80 of the Online Course Master Show. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. This is a great time and uh, looking forward to this season. Awesome. And Ranga, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time to share your story. Thanks, Phil. I mean, I'm really excited to be here. I have been following your podcast for such a long time and it's amazing to be here. Yeah, we're. Well, I mean, just from the numbers that you've shared with us, it's so impressive what you're doing and I think it's going to be a real inspiration to a lot of people um, around the world to start teaching online courses. So thank you again for, for being here and we'll jump right into it. Yeah, so Ranga, I wanted to know, um, first of all, what what is it that you really love about um, teaching online courses? And why don't you give uh, a little description about what topics you teach to everyone? Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the most important things for me is I love teaching. I mean, I, like from this time I started working, I saw that I had a way of making things simple and uh, I kind of took it uh, to the next level with the online learning and like today online learning gives me uh, creating online courses gives me the opportunity to talk to so many people around mm. the world I'm, I mean 200 countries I mean I cannot imagine that there are 200 countries around the world right <laughs> so, I mean I, I cannot believe the fact that right now there might be a lot of people around the world listening to you learning from you I mean that's mm. an amazing opportunity that was provided to me uh, with online learning. And I was like very, very lucky to get into it. That's how I see it. Uh, I think personally, for me, the most important part was the freedom that uh, it provided, right? I can decide now when I would want to work, what I would want to work on mm -hmm. and how I would want to do that. Who, who, which people do I want to work with? So it really gives me a lot of freedom in that sense uh, to choose things in my life like and also like one of the things I'm really passionate about is tracking and with online learning today I get the opportunity uh, to do tracks almost every few months and it's like amazing personally for me so it's like both beneficial for me as a person mm -hmm. for people who are learning from it as well I really believe that online learning is a great socioeconomic leveler in the sense that for about a thousand rupees that's about ten dollars i would be able to learn from the best instructors around the world i mean going back a few years i don't think it was possible at all i mean i was doing a few few courses last week and i don't know how much i would have spent to learn the same stuff a few years back it's amazing the opportunities that online learning provides provide me with yeah, yeah. That, that's so I mean, that's so awesome. And that's why we love online courses. It's not just the freedom that we get. But like you said, it's this leveler that allows anyone to learn a skill and to improve their livelihood and, 
or just in, improve their life, do, learn something for fr- fun. And uh, I'm sure you're teaching a lot of people amazing skills. So what are the topics that your courses are on? Um, I, I'm mostly into the Java world. Mm-hmm. So I teach all the modern stuff using Java. So today, if you look at the architectures around the world, people would be, the buzzwords are typically microservices, cloud. Mm-hmm. So we teach all these using Java. Nice. Very nice. cool. So tell tell us a little bit about uh, your background. What were you doing before you started teaching online courses? So uh, I, I, like, I had a love for programming from the start. I mean, from the time I failed my first programming course, I would say. So from that time, like because that was one of the first things I kind of failed it. Uh, like I was like a straight A student throughout through the school through college, and the first course I really failed at was programming. So kind of it stayed with me. Like and I kind of got into programming as a profession as well. So I kind of did various kinds of roles over my 15 years, mainly switching between programming and architecture. So I was like I I had a uh, love for actually uh, writing code, getting things working, seeing them live, mm-hmm. and as an architect, somehow you are restricted. You draw, draw, I mean, at least a few years back, architects were mostly responsible for drawing pictures, like writing big documents. I mean, technical architects and talking about. So uh, we were not really into code. So I kind of tra- shifted between these roles from programming to architect, architect back to programming so that I can actually uh, like continue with uh, getting to code, <laughs> getting the opportunities to continue coding. And also the great thing was this gave me the opportunity to travel the world. So I actually, I was living in US for uh, five years. I lived in Europe for a few years. And this gave me the opportunity to see how programmers in different countries think, what they would want to learn, how, like, uh, I mean, it gave me a lot more exposure. Mm-hmm. So like, all, like it's like, uh, for me, like I love programming and it kind of, uh, took me uh, further with my career and it helped me uh, yeah get into uh, like courses yeah that's kind of my high level background so and like personally i'm like i live in india right now so i live in hyderabad which is a city uh, down south uh, you might have heard about bangalore so that's mm-hmm. kind of 500 kilometers from bangalore and yeah i uh, like live with my family like it's a large it's a huge family uh, 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 I like my parents live with me. My brother lives with me, and I have I'm married with two kids. So it's kind of a, a lot of fun. <laughs> nice, very cool. Yeah, that's very that's so cool. I've actually been to Bangalore, but never been to Hyderabad. Uh, but I would love to go back to India. Where in the United States and in Europe were you living? So I, in the U.S., I was living in New Jersey, about mm-hmm. 40 kilometers from New York. Nice. Um, I was working for an insurance company down there. And um, later I went to Netherlands. So I was living in Netherlands for almost, like, I was living in Netherlands in Eindhoven and Utrecht. Utrecht is like the commercial capital of Netherlands. Not really the capital, Amsterdam is the capital, but Utrecht is kind of the commercial hub. So I was living in Utrecht and Eindhoven for about five years. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> so uh, tell us about that first course you created. What like What was the process like? Um, did you have an audience when you started or like, how'd you go about promoting it? Did you have a website, a blog, YouTube channel or anything like that? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting question, especially for me, because I started creating courses well before. Actually, I started creating videos well before Udemy was there. So I started really? in, mm-hmm. yeah, I started in 2012. Uh, 
I mean, I don't know if Udemy was there in 2012, <laughs> but I mean, it was long back. So in like, I started with YouTube. Uh, one of the questions I already always had at the back of my mind is, would people from abroad be interested in listening to my voice with my accent? Mm -hmm. So that was a big question I had. And so I started with actually creating uh, programming courses in my mother tongue. So actually, I created a course in C, in Java, C++, in my mother tongue, which is Telugu, and put them out for free on YouTube. And that was how I was doing things for a long time, actually. Here and there, I used to create an English course, but mostly it was uh, my mother tongue courses, mm -hmm. uh, which I kind of uploaded to my uh, YouTube. And that gave me the experience of building, like creating videos, like to get comfortable with actually talking to a screen and not to yeah. a Okay. <laughs> all that stuff which you need to get started off with. So that's where I picked all that stuff. And around 2015 mid was when I discovered Udemy. Mm -hmm. So I saw that there was something called Udemy. Uh, the uh, I like I saw the, that there were a lot of people who are making millions and millions of dollars, which is usually the initial pull, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I decided to do was actually like create a group of courses. So instead of creating a first course, I wanted to create a first group of courses. Small courses, obviously, like one to two hour kind of courses. And actually, I took three months to prepare for uh, creating Udemy courses. So what I did was, like, when you create a YouTube video, you have to create a long video. It's like, uh, the longer, the better for YouTube. But when it comes to Udemy, I saw that people actually create very, very small videos. And that makes sense because people don't have the time to listen to like arts of videos right it's like the attention span in this social media world is like very very minimal and so that's where i saw that i had to do things differently i mean it's not sufficient if i do the same way i create youtube courses i cannot create udemy courses so i took three months off kind of to uh, read everything that was there on the udemy website like i had like uh, my mother still keep showing me the thousand page printouts that I had <laughs> Udemy documents which were out there on how to create good courses and all that stuff and that's where it got me into like uh, creating my first set of courses these were like really basic courses right so C, yeah. Java, uh, Maven, Eclipse these are like very very basic tools so I created a bunch of courses and released them first off. So did you launch with multiple courses or did you launch one at a time but you had planned out a couple? Yeah, it was more, I launched them one at a time, but okay. I had all the content, everything that I would need to, ha I mean, not the, like, so when it comes to tech courses, the main content is what you want to teach, what are mm -hmm. the examples, what the, right. so I had all that ready, but not the video. Gotcha. So I had all that ready for about six to seven courses, and I just jumped in, created a, a, almost a course every two weeks. And were these in English now? Yes. So uh, over the journey of like few years, like 2012 to 2015, I discovered that uh, people were ready to listen to my voice in English. Mm -hmm. So I created a few English videos. I saw that people like there were people from abroad who were watching that videos and they were actually listening to it and liking them. Uh, the great thing about YouTube is there is no negative reviews. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people press the down button, yeah. either it's a like or they just skip the video. So that's kind of good when you're starting off because you don't get a lot of negative reviews as well. Did, did you have a, did you have like a hang up creating courses in English? Like, um, did you have to overcome that at all? Or no, was it, was it pretty easy to just create them? 
yeah, I mean, I did not have any problems because like I traveled around the world. I worked, I mean, from my basic education, it was all in English. It was just okay, that cool. I was afraid if my accent was difficult for people to understand, I right. still get views on accent. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's something which I have to live with. But uh, that was kind of a initial thing. Today, I say when I start creating the course, I would have a review of less than, like I start with a review of minus 0.2. So for yeah. anybody else, I would start with a minus 0.2. And that's something I decided I live with. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. And it's I think it's a great inspiration and just an answer to a lot of people who who do worry about having an accent um, and, or wherever they're from trying to teach English courses. But it seems like while well, the majority of students on Udemy are still English learners, so you're a perfect example of why anyone around the world who speaks English can teach courses and, and just not to worry about the accent because it's more about the type of courses. I mean, I have an accent to some people too. I'm from California and uh, there's I've gotten reviews uh, about people who say <laughs> that I talk funny. So I think everyone, wherever you're from, people are going to think that mm -hmm. you sound a little bit different from them. So that's really interesting. So for these first courses that you launched, you were jumping into programming, which courses, which even in 2015 was fairly competitive at that time. Mm -hmm. So was that, was that a hesitation as well? Or about like, did you think like, okay, how did, how can you jump into a competitive niche like programming? Or did you just not worry about it? And were you just like, I'm just going to create my courses and see how it goes? Yeah. I, I, like, like I did do a few courses to understand how things are done on Udemy. But I was not really looking at them as a competition. It was more to learn how things done, th things are done on Udemy. Mm -hmm. like, um, and also, like always, the first question I always asked myself was, why would somebody buy your course? Like, why would right. somebody buy my course? Why would somebody pick my course over somebody else's course? Right. So I decided the best possible reason why somebody would pick up my course would be if they have done that done any course of mine before, or if they get a recommendation from the their friends that those were the only two reasons i could think of why somebody would choose my course and i said for the first three months everything would be free course so okay I, I, like, so it's free okay. i just left the courses for free for long for almost three months like mm -hmm. most of the, my earlier courses were free because i wanted to i wanted the students to have an experience and then the choice becomes easier uh, because I did not really have a name when I started off on Udemy, right? I mean, like I had a YouTube channel, but the audience is completely different. Most of yeah. the audience would be like from my Telugu videos who might not be interested in the English courses. So I wasn't sure about it. So I said, let's create a few free courses and see how it goes. And yeah, luckily it went well. And so, so, or go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what did it look like after that 2015 you launch a couple courses, you set them for free. Uh, I guess going into 2016, you started doing some paid courses. Um, did you start seeing like immediate success or was it kind of a slow growth? And and if it was slow, like how, how did you keep up with it and, and want to keep going on? Because I know a lot of people, they don't see immediate success. They just give up right away. But I know sometimes it takes a while to kind of get the ball rolling. How, how did that look for you? For me, like when I started creating a bunch of courses, my immediate aim was not revenue, but to get feedback. So mm -hmm. I wanted to create uh, like a set of courses which would give me enough feedback 
so that that would help me create better courses going forward so i wasn't really interested in the revenue i was interested more in creating experiences like having a lot of students who had an experience with my course and the second thing was to get feedback so that i can improve my courses what people are liking what people are not really liking because youtube is completely different from udemy so that was my initial goal and i think about 3 months 3 to 4 months down the line i found out what can be uh, like a success story actually most of my initial courses are not even live today so most of them are disabled <laughs> so you cannot even yeah, so they are we all do that <laughs> so they are all disabled uh, so it gave me a insight into how things work the first month i like made my courses paid i got about $1000 and that was big money i mean i'm talking about $1000 in india which is much more bigger than $1000 in the us <laughs> yeah so and i decided okay this is something which worked uh, and uh, i continued uh, creating more and more courses. Wow, that's pretty inspirational. Um and I think just the fact the path you took with setting your courses for free, trying to get students in there to like you say have that experience, that's the goal that all new instructors should have and anyone listening to this, if you're in this and trying to get started just to make passive income, it's going to be a lot harder than if you're in this for actually helping the world, helping teach people, because that comes across throughout all of the courses. And of course, the money can be important in the long run. And if you end up wanting to do this full time, but um, definitely focusing on creating a good course experience is much more important. And just a follow up question about those first courses. Were you working at this time or had you kind of jumped uh, stop working and you were just jumping into teaching online um, full-time? Yeah, when I started on Udemy, I was still working. Mm -hmm. So I, I, like, as I said, I have a big family and so the income is very important. Like I cannot have months without income. So what I decided to do uh, was I would take uh, online courses full-time when I get about 80% of my day jobs income. So that's what that's the goal I set myself. I said 70 to 80% of my day-to-day uh, -day job income. Uh, when I get it, I would start quitting. I'll quit my job and take it full time. And like around 2016 um, mid was when uh, like I think sorry 2017 mid was when this happened. And like I quit my job and from 2017 June was when I took it really full time. That's awesome. That that that's that's just awesome to hear and inspiring. And it sounds like you had a long term vision for what you wanted to do. Which, as Phil was saying, that's that's very important. You know, to have to have that vision that you want to teach people, you want to help people out, and um, that's really great. So, from that time that you started until now, um, how has your business grown? Like, what 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 are you doing different, and how well has it grown, and what's it look like um, through that time period from when you started till now? And just to add to that question, like if you remember, like how can you, what's, you said you made about a thousand dollars that first month, which is incredible for anyone who's just getting started and, and you had the courses up for free and converted them to paid. So that helps. Um, but what was the process? Like, do you remember how long it took to get to $10,000 a month or like what, what kind of like the steps were because people are always wondering like, how long does it take people to, to make a thousand dollars or how long does it take people to make? 5,000. So that, I think that's really interesting for people. I think uh, one of the most important things I decided to focus on was the number of students. So for me, like, uh, the revenue was a secondary number. 
so for me it was revenue was never the focus so even today uh, all my dashboards only contain how many students are there so for me the most important thing is if you have a number of students having the experience today i'm sure when i create a good course tomorrow they would immediately jump on and buy it so for me it was always about how can i provide the best learning experience to all the students that i have and how can i increase that number every day so the, those were the only two questions that i focused on and all the others were kind of intermediate results because right. of all the work we do continuously right so when i quit my job i had a plan to create like seven courses i had all the code examples i had everything ready except for the videos mm -hmm. so as soon as i quit the job what i did was like i created like for in four months i created like seven courses uh, out of which like four of them are still the best sellers today so these courses are on a variety of topics i mean some of them are very very complex topics like microservices rest api and stuff and like these courses uh, like help me gain momentum like i had an initial audience i create very good courses people buy them and udemy likes people buying courses right so they start promoting your courses so it's kind of a cycle which keeps happening I, like i did not really do anything explicit to trigger off the cycle i kept doing the good work i created great courses push them out to udemy and udemy kept doing their stuff very cool all right, before we move on to questions, got to do a quick little ad break. Uh, we don't have ads for this show, but we are sponsored by our own academy. All of our episodes are sponsored by the Online Course Masters Academy, the one and only place you need to become an online course master yourself. With over two dozen courses that tackle every aspect of running a successful online course business, a private community of students like you, and bonuses like live office hours and webinar trainings, we've built the Online Course Masters Academy for anyone creating their first online course or for anyone more advanced looking to increase their business and brand. So visit onlinecoursemasters.com, hit the academy button at the top, and join today. All right, so we're back. So amazing stuff, Ranga. This is really, really cool. So um, today, what's um, kind of the process when you do cre create a course? What's like when you launch a course, you talked about how Udemy jumps in there and likes selling the courses, but yourself, what are you doing to promote your courses using Udemy's promotional announcements or any sort of promotions outside of Udemy? So uh, if you look at uh, what I do today, um, I built a lot of audience outside Udemy as well. So I have an audience on YouTube, um, like over the period of time, uh, like substantial amount of uh, like English listeners as well uh, started going to YouTube, starting watching videos. And so I built a bit, bit of a base there. And also, I, I focused a lot on writing a lot of content. So I was like really interested in writing great articles. So what I did was worked on uh, creating a website with a lot of great articles on um, specific topics uh, on which our courses are typically based around. And luckily, we got like that site is now getting about 200,000 visitors a month. And therefore, I can actually get a lot of them to subscribe to my email list and then I can start uh, like pushing out uh, content to them, right? So uh, yeah, these are the three major areas where I would start with when I start promoting my courses. Udemy, uh, obviously like sending out a couple of promotional announcements with a three, four days gap as soon as a new course is released to make sure that every one of my students is aware that there's a new course uh, coming up. 
the other thing is to release the uh, a video on YouTube to give a preview to the course. And the last thing is also to like uh, let our subscribers know like that there's a course out there. Got it. So what? Go ahead, Jeremy. What what do you um what does your U- YouTube strategy look like? Are you sending people from YouTube back to your website to try to collect that email address, or or do you have links to your courses straight from YouTube? How does that strategy look? Yeah, I think that's a great question because uh, I'm little different from what a lot of other instructors do, uh, in the sense that. Uh, the way I think about Udemy is I have to give Udemy the push and they would take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I did not want any of my paid to like I did not want like even though I have a platform where I can host paid courses with my own accounts. But I decided like I would only have free courses on my platform and all the paid courses would be hosted on just Udemy. So what happens is now like all uh, like people like uh, all the audience on YouTube they would actually subscribe to one of my free courses. They become my audience. And then uh, they would uh, kind of uh, get content from Udemy. Or, or they would uh, like they would come to be come to know about the courses which are there on Udemy. So that's kind of the strategy. So it's YouTube to my platform to uh, Udemy. Got it. And it's good. So I was going to ask you, um, so how are you hosting those courses on your own site and are you putting your courses on other other any other sites besides Udemy that and has that been successful anywhere else for you yeah. I think uh, like I use Teachable so Teachable like a uh, premium plan one of the premium plans I have so that's where I post my free courses and a little bit of subscription plans but those are not really successful so I've stopped like I've mostly stopped uh, all the subscription plans except for one which is ongoing right now um now, moving to other platforms where we are successful with, like with tech courses, there are a lot of other plat- lot, lot of other options uh, other than Udemy. Right? So we have uh, like a lot of uh, sites like Pluralsight, Linda. Um, we have uh, Safari Online and also um, we have Pact. So I have my courses on Pact and Safari Online and one of my goals is to have a course on Linda and Plural sites. <laughs> so those are kind of the <laughs> uh, different platforms. And like revenue-wise, I think uh, none of these can meet Udemy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Like, I, I love that strategy. You're using YouTube to kind of build your audience and then you give them basically a lead magnet, which is your free course on your website. You collect the email address. You built an email list of 35,000. Is that correct? Absolutely. That, that's awesome. So then when you have that email list, are you, uh, I guess you're promoting to that email list back to your Udemy courses? Absolutely. So and, it's... Mm-hmm, go ahead. Please go. Oh, I was just going to say, so So you promote to, to the email list to Udemy. Um, are, you, are you sending like, you know, are you uh, actively doing stuff with your email list? Are you uh, sending out uh, tutorials and videos and talking to them or is it just promotional stuff? Yeah, I think that's something which I would need to improve on. I think that's, <laughs> I write All a lot of, of content, a lot <laughs> yeah. of videos. Uh, I keep pushing out educational information out and the promotional information out as well, but I would really love to build a strategy around it. I have so much content mm-hmm. that if I sit down for a little while, I can be- work out a better strategy, but I have not been able to find the time to do it. So what do you... I was just going to add, 35,000 members, that's incredible. Is that mostly from 
people joining your free courses on Teachable or are you doing any other sort of lead magnets or how are you getting, how are you growing that so fast? Um, first thing is I'm very bad at marketing. So I have, uh, I tried Facebook marketing, I tried YouTube marketing and none of them work. I mean, none of them work for $10 a course. And even if I looked at the lifetime value of a student, I did not find it uh, beneficial to acquire a student in that way. And that's where I decided the content route is the best way to acquire students or acquire audience. And I started creating a lot of articles mm -hmm. and also like I started creating a lot of YouTube videos on things I cannot create courses around. So, I mean, like when I create a course, there should be a clear objective, a clear uh, like uh, a path and a, it should meet the complete goal. But when I create a video, there's nothing like that. It's like I can create video on any topic. So I decided to create videos to write content and I created a website with all this content and that website, as I said before, it gets about 200,000 visitors a month on specific topics which our audience is interested in. So it's easy to get these audience to actually subscribe to a free course and that's where uh, the entire funnel starts. Got it. So it's just the that traffic going to your website and then the, the free course is really the the way you get them on your email list. Very cool. I mean, that's the perfect, perfect strategy for online courses. I did, I did have a question I wanted to ask. What do you tell the person out there who would say, you know, why, why would you send people back to you to me when you've already got them on your site, you got them on your email list? Why not just host on your, you know, on your own platform and charge a higher price? We, we, we hear that a lot. So what would you say to that person? Um, I think, uh, a few, I think there were several questions in there, right? So first one is higher price. Um, for me, the focus was always on getting students and the student number. So the revenue does not really matter. So I decided right. I would only want to get $10 from a student. I don't want to charge somebody uh, a different price on a different platform. So mm -hmm. like that was like, so I, like there was no uh, uh, like incentive for me to uh, get the student onto my platform because of revenue. Um, yeah, I think uh, that was a crucial driver for me. Like I decided, mm -hmm. like for me, getting a student uh, a, and having a student do the course is much more important than the revenue, like $10 or $20 extra I would make in a specific course by getting them to uh, get to my platform. Sorry, I missed the other questions. Can you repeat them? It, it was it was just, I mean, you answered it. I was just wondering what, what you thought about, you know, people saying, why don't you just host it on your own site? But I mean, to me, it seems like you've made the right decision because you focused on the student or the person and in doing so, uh, you've been awarded basically by getting a good revenue now because you you were focused on the right things. Um, I think a lot of people are so worried about the money and, you know, I want to try to get as much as I can for this course that they kind of miss the point, which I think you've done a great job doing. Um, let's and talk I, about you. Can I just follow oh, yeah, up ahead. on, can I just follow up on that really quick? Just, just to clarify for, for people, one thing that Ranga is doing that, that I've done that I've seen success with is, is just that push to Udemy and it's sending people from, even though you talked about sending people from YouTube to your free course, I also noticed that in some of your descriptions, you're sending people directly to the Udemy page, which again, a lot of marketers and people would say, why would you send them directly to the Udemy sales page when you could send them to your website, get them on your email list and work them through a funnel that way. And yes, yeah, so that can work and that does work, but Udemy does does so much work for us to promote our courses. If we do that little bit of first initial 
work to get those get students in the class classes i mean they're not going to pick a random course and just start promoting it they need to see that that course is successful that people are buying that course and so if you could send out of you know a thousand people that watches a youtube video even if one or two of those people end up buying a course that's a little bit of juice that Udemy sees that they're going to kind of take from you. So you're really buying into the whole Udemy system, which I've done myself and I've seen a lot of success with. Um, And you've also done this later than I did. You started several years after I did. So again, it's just another perfect example of of someone who has had a lot of success. And uh, I think the fact that there's still a lot of room for success for people getting started uh, on Udemy. So I just wanted to clarify that point. And then I know, Jeremy, you have a question about, I think, YouTube stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just want to talk a little bit more about YouTube. I love these interviews because you always get to find these little juicy nuggets that you didn't think about. Um, So like, what's your strategy on on posting videos on YouTube? Are you just taking... um, I, I took down some of my videos from my courses, but at the time, all I knew to do was just to take some videos from my courses and put them on YouTube. Are you using uh, videos from your courses or are they different videos or is it kind of a mix? Like what's your strategy there? Yeah, I think as far as YouTube is concerned, um, YouTube likes longer videos. So what mm-hmm. I do is actually I bunch up uh, the like first half an hour to 45 minutes of the course and put it on YouTube. So that's number one. Uh, mm-hmm. The other YouTube content I create um, is things that I cannot create courses around. So there are a lot of different topics when it comes to technology that I don't really want to create a course on, but it's on top of my mind. So I just want to create a video and put it out there. So uh, like I use YouTube as a place where I can actually uh, be much more freer than the entire structure that you need to really have when you create a course. So those are kind of the two types of content I would put out. So when you say that you bunch like the first, say, hour or 45 minutes, are you saying that you put all of those into one video or so you just take the first 45 minutes to an hour of your course and you just make that into one video and upload that one hour video to YouTube? Absolutely. Like I, like for my initial experience with YouTube was that in YouTube, the thing which matters is how much time, how much duration is a viewer watching the video mm-hmm. and shorter videos are at a disadvantage in that sense. And uh, I thought, okay, let's put bigger videos. And I had a little bit of success with bigger videos and I continue doing it. Yeah, I think for educational videos on YouTube, that makes so much sense. I think yeah. in general, short videos, is that's that works a lot on social media and even on YouTube just because people's attention spans. But for educational content, longer videos work really well um, for... Uh, for teaching topics and when you search for like tutorials on a lot of things you'll see like the top videos are generally longer than um than some of the other kind of popular topics in videos a a follow-up question just about all of this and anyone listening can find the links to um everything we're talking about and ranga's website and youtube channel um on onlinecoursemasters.com slash 80 Um, or just go to the podcast episode. But you've chosen to brand yourself outside of you, well, within Udemy and just create a brand called In 28 Minutes. What was your decision in creating that sort of 
brand, which you've done a good job because across all of your social media, website, YouTube channel, it's all branded as in 28 minutes. Um, but what was your kind of decision on doing that versus just branding it as yourself, as the instructor? Yeah, uh, it, it's, um, I mean, for me, it was not a difficult decision to make. At this start, I wanted to create, uh, like, I did not want to have my name out there. I would want to actually represent what I thought. And I thought in 2018, it was a very good representation of what I wanted to do. So uh, I'm a great believer in continuous learning. Um, so I am like, I would want to do something new for 30 minutes every day. And I was actually searching for a domain name called in 30 minutes. But unfortunately, <laughs> I was not able to find all the social media stuff for in 30 minutes, in 29 minutes. And in 28 minutes was kind of the nearest one down. I got. <laughs> so I did not go up. I wanted to keep it short as I wanted to go down. So it yeah. was in 28 minutes. And like it kind of represents what I think. It was not really a thought process, whether it was individual or a brand name. It was more like... I wanted something to represent my thoughts, my like focus on continuous learning. And I thought in 28 minutes was a good name to represent that. So yeah, that's kind of the story. And today it serves me well because now I have a consistent branding across all the mm -hmm. platforms. And also uh, a lot of people are curious about what is in 28 minutes. Yeah. Why? Can I really learn something in 28 minutes? Right? I, think, so, I like it. I think it's more memorable than in 30 minutes. I think if yeah. it was in 30 minutes, I would forget about it. But in 28 minutes, it makes you wonder. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. For sure. And yeah. you have that opportunity to expand and partner with other people. And um, then it's not just about you, which is what I've done with videoschoolonline.com as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, like, that's an opportunity. And I think that's one of the areas where I would really need to learn from you phil <laughs> yeah totally yeah well it's been awesome talking to you um what would be your final piece of advice for someone who wants to get into teaching online courses but hasn't started yet i think online co courses is a long-term goal a lot of people come in thinking it's like i work for three months and everything's done but for me like the first thought process should be okay i would want to have a long-term strategy of how to achieve success here Right. And uh, the other thing is uh, a lot of people actually focus on marketing, create one great course and just marketing that specific course. And for me, like if you are a techie, you're creating great course, you're good at creating courses, you're good at technology. Why don't you focus on creating five more courses of that kind? And like, obviously, when you start off, you'd want to create smaller courses. You don't really want to create a mega course. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, as long as you're creating a number of small courses, it ensures that you're getting immediate feedback and like, hopefully it would be uh, successful. For me, like the first goal of anybody who's starting off is to get 1,000 reviews. I think that should be the number one goal and not anything else. Once you get 1,000 reviews, I think uh, you have enough feedback to know what's working, what's not working, and help you create better courses going forward. I love that. And... I, I mean, we could keep asking questions, but is there any tip you have for, is there anything you do to encourage people to leave reviews or is it just kind of just putting your course out there and just letting people do that? Yeah, uh, I did a few things earlier, but none of them were successful. So I decided, okay, I'll 
just focus on what I do well, create great course, put it out there and right. literally just take care of themselves. <laughs> perfect. Well, this has been awesome. I think you've kind of explained a perfect system for anybody who wants to be an online course creator to have success in terms of just putting out free content to help grow your audience to start focusing on the content rather than making money, using free courses to grow your email list, using YouTube to drive traffic to your website and your free courses to grow that email list and to promote your courses and really using Udemy um, and buying into Udemy's plan to uh, kind of have success. So it's been awesome having you on here. For anyone who's listening and wants to find out more about Ranga and what he's doing, uh, the notes, the links will again be in the show notes at onlinecoursemasters.com slash 80. And you'll get links to his website in 28minutes.com um, and his YouTube channel and everything else. Uh, so you can check it out there. Um, so if anyone's listening, um, please leave a review for the show. We always appreciate those, whether you're listening to this uh, on Spotify, which we're, we're now on Spotify, uh, <laughs> Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, I want to give a shout out to one of our recent reviews. Uh, this was on iTunes from... I don't know who this is. Their their handle was CSSC the Fabdu. I don't know if that's a name, but they say the knowledge shared is abundant and the insight from the guests, all with different bra- backgrounds, really paints a clear picture of what can work for you when creating online content. So thank you for leaving that review. And for anyone who um, hasn't left a review, please do that because that helps us grow our show and get great guests. And it just encourages Jeremy and I to keep going. Of course, check out onlinecoursemasters.com for the show notes to enroll in the academy and to join a community of fellow course creators. And if you're brand new to teaching online, check out our free five-day course creation challenge, which is on the website. It's the perfect way to jumpstart your online course business. So again, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. And Jeremy and Ranga, thank you so much. It was great meeting you on Skype. And I wish you the best of luck uh, with your business in the future. Thanks a lot, Phil. Thanks, Jeremy. It's wonderful to talk to somebody who I've been watching a lot of courses from. So it's awesome to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll chat soon. Sure.